The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What up, Grizz Nation? This is Hoop Ball Grizz, and this is Isaac Simpson. Simpson with you. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. With me is my man, D-Will. You can find him on Twitter at D-Will2111. We're back discussing a brand new crop of draft prospects. Uh, six new guys uh, to talk about today, and I'm excited, man. How you doing today, David? And I'm good. It, it is... Draft season has quickly became one of my favorite uh, favorite parts of the year, man. I just I love digging into these guys and, and getting to know some of the players. You are a little more versed when it comes to college basketball because of your coverage for the Tigers. Um, I, on the other hand, I, I I can't really tell you what has driven me away from college basketball, but I used to watch it a ton when I was younger. And then as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit. So some of these guys I'm aware of, it's easy to know about the the big names, the first round guys. Um, but I, I really, really enjoy just talking to a ton of different people because everybody has different views on, on each player and what they could or could not bring to the table. So I, I'm great, man. Loving life right now. Yeah, man, I could I definitely understand that. I, I cover, cover college basketball as well as the NBA. And when you look at both of those games, it's really no comparison. I mean, just the, the shot making, the athleticism, the, the flow of the game and the things that you see in the NBA, it's just completely different than what you get in college basketball. Slow it down, run the shot clock down. It's just a different game. So I definitely understand the difference in quality of basketball. But sometimes those college basketball games can drag on. But I, I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the year as well because even though I cover college basketball a lot of these guys I've seen them I've seen a couple games but I've never really went in depth and broke down the game so it's been fun finding out about some of these prospects and actually one of the guys that uh, that the first guy that I'm going to talk about is another guy that kind of fits that bill a guy that I, I've seen play uh several times with, with UNC but haven't really broke down his game and that's they run sharp uh 6'11 265 pound center uh, of course, one and done prospect out of North Carolina, six uh, eleven, uh, seven foot wingspan, uh, throwback center, man, who pr- pretty much does his damage exclusively in the paint. Uh, when you look at those top prospects at the center position, and Rakai Jones and Isaiah Jackson, he's probably the most advanced when it comes to the scoring ability in the paint. Um, absolutely fantastic screen setter and be a fantastic pick and roll partner for a point guard like Ja. I mean, I could really see them working in the pick and roll. Um, he's also also pretty skilled, uh, has good hands, uh, high basketball IQ, and potentially some playmaking ability. I mean, you see some of the, the passes that he that he makes, uh, average 1.4 assists per game, which is pretty good for a center. But you see some of these passes he makes, this passes that you out of the post, you don't usually see centers make those passes. And we talk so much about JV and the great struggles in the pick-and-roll defense, as we saw on full display in the playoffs against Utah. That wouldn't be a problem with, with they run. I mean, Sharp does doesn't struggle in that area at all. He's great, has great lateral quickness and movement and does a fantastic job of guarding in space. I mean, he, he's a guy that can can really get out there and, and guard smaller players. So um, that's that's one positive that he really brings to the table in the area that the, the Grizzlies could use improvement on. Um, kind of the cons with him offensively doesn't really give you a lot outside of the paint. I mean, like I said earlier, he's exclusively pretty much does all his damage inside the paint. So you'd like to, to see him develop a little bit of a mid-range jump shot. Uh, only shot 50% from the free throw line, uh, so you definitely hope for improvement there. Uh, and though he's a, he's a pretty good defender overall, he's not really a shot blocker. Uh, only average a little bit under one a game, and you expect a guy 6'11", 7-foot wingspan to do a little bit more damage than that in, in the defensive, in the block department. But um, hadn't done a lot of work on him. He was, he was actually a late addition, as I was originally scheduled to do Terrence Shannon guard out of Texas Tech, who decided yesterday that he was going to return to the Red Raiders, but uh, I'm kind of glad I looked into him because now that I've kind of broken down a little bit, I mean, I, I like him more as a prospect than I did initially. Um, so some of these these bigs, you haven't really done, I didn't really do a lot of work on him because you kind of expect the Grizzlies to stay in that wing guard spectrum, but uh, Daron Sharp is, is a guy that I think could help the Grizzlies potentially if they picked up another pick, because again, we talk about that pick and roll defense, and Daron is a guy that can, can really move his feet for a guy his size. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's We've lost a, a couple. There, there were quite a few. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, the seventh, July seventh yeah. at midnight, was the was the cutoff. Yeah. yeah, if you were going to either commit to the draft or go back to school, somebody you know, Marcus Bagley is a guy that we covered 
uh, Johnny Juzang is Zang, yeah. that we talked about that, that, uh, that actually decided to go back to school. So there, there were some guys that I fully expected to stay in the draft that, uh, that did not, uh, Juzang didn't really surprise me a ton yeah, because of the one that, yeah. was, you know, like he, he was, he was pretty far down there. Some places had him going undrafted, um, and maybe he just didn't, you know, he, he liked his odds better, of improving his stock going into the next season. And I, I think that he will, um, but but getting back to to Sharp, man, a lot of the stuff you touched on, it, it's his per thirty six rebounding numbers at fourteen point two, you know, and, and obviously not a lot of people are going to play thirty six minutes a game, but that's still you know great yeah, rebound. It's really good. Um, and n- not a rim protector. I wouldn't label him as a rim protector, but I I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. It's all you know. You see some of these guys before I, um. Ron Artest, I think, is a fantastic example of a guy can do one thing in college, and then when he gets to the league, kind of transition into something else. At St. John's, Ron Artest was like he was the guy. He was scoring. He could get to the basket. He could do all these things. And then he gets to the league, and he just turns into this not really an offensive threat, defensive Defensive guy. And, and so it's all about how these guys adapt their game going into, you know, making the change from college to the NBA. I really like his rebounding um, high motor. He works super, super hard. The offensive rebounds we see from JV, Dayron Sharp works on the boards very similar to the way that, that JV does. The 50% from the free throw line scares the crap out of me. Because this day and age, if you don't have any type of outside shot, it really limits what you can do in the league. And I would say playmaking or passing would be one of his top strengths. Yeah. And if definitely. they can play back, if they can drop off of him and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you that 15-foot jumper all day long, that's going to limit his ability to pass the yeah. ball. So, yeah, so that's, that's a big concern for me is, you know, uh, 50% and it wasn't on, you know, he was on th- three and a half free throws uh, a game. So it wasn't super high volume, but it wasn't low volume either. And, and that's something he, he's going to have to improve that if he wants to be effective at the NBA level. Um, I, I think for me, uh, an, another thing that I would like to see him improve, uh, like his ball handling. And I realize as a big, you don't have to really handle the ball that much. But I go back to watch film on the Grizzlies and something that or every time JV puts the ball on the floor, it scares the crap out of me. And I'm not expecting him to make a huge change and just turn into this seven-footer that can, you know, cross his guy, get to the rim. But being able to handle the ball well enough that you're not just stripped almost instantly every time yeah. you put it on the floor. And you see that happens something. a lot. With, yeah. You see that happen yeah. a lot with JV. I mean, he kind of loose with the basketball guards come in there and just swipe it away from him, just mm-hmm. clean steals. And that is something with, with Dayron that he could, could definitely improve on. They're very similar to JV. Um, but I mean, again, like I said, I like his pick and roll defense ability, but I think he definitely oh, yeah. free throw, free throw numbers. And I think he needs to, he's going to have to develop, I said, at least a, be a threat from mid-range because right now he's not mm-hmm. at all and that's going to kind of limit his ability to do other things and I think that's kind of why you've seen him because I, I think Takathon has him in the first round but I think most other mocks that you look at he's down in the, the second round somewhere um, and I think that's kind of what's keeping him down that's kind of why he's below prospects like Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson uh, because I just think his ceiling probably, probably isn't quite as high as those guys uh, but I think right now in the paint I think he's probably more advanced to his ability to score inside. But again, that could be limited because I mean, guys are going to foul him, put him on the free throw mm-hmm. line. If you can't knock down those free throws, I mean, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, like man. I said, three, 3.3 a game. I mean, 50%. That's not the biggest sample size, but it's also not small either. I mean, and that, that number has to come up. And I think that's kind of alarming. If you look at it, that's like a red flag that goes off right there, man. And you 50% for the free throw line, man, you just got to be better than that, especially the big man. Cause they're just going to, going to foul you and put you on the line. If you can't knock down those free throws, gonna be hard to to kind of kind of make his way in the NBA but I mean again I think there's some some potential there as a second round pick I, I think there's a lot of value there yeah and you know th- there's a lot of 
we got some surprises, right? As Grizz Nation, Josh Christopher, uh, he came and he worked out for the Grizzlies. Some names that that we have seen the Grizzlies work out are guys that, you know, some people are saying, are they going to take them at 17? Is Josh Christopher a guy that you're comfortable with them taking at 17? And the, the overall consensus on that is that, you know, he would be a move back target. Yeah, there's always that risk of if you give up 17 and you move back somebody before it gets back to you taking him. But, you know, we really don't know what the Grizzlies are going to do at this point because they don't necessarily have to have a rookie. Right. You know, they need to do some some form of consolidation trade. And if they make a move where they move back, you know, are are they who are they moving? Like what's going to happen? And so. It's going to be very interesting to see which way the Grizzlies go with this draft. This more than any of the ones before with King Climbing, it's. I think that this is probably going to be his toughest draft, honestly, because you've got a pretty good product and you're hoping to see an improvement going into next season. But what are these guys going to bring? Who are they going to target? Are they going to target that wing? Are they going to target a guy that they can send down to South Haven and we really, we don't know. It's, if you go off of history, off of what he's done in the past, he's going to get a guy that is high IQ, multi-year college guy, ready to go, can hit the ground running in the NBA. Um, it's it's just interesting. It's exciting. The fact that they had Josh Christopher in and he worked out for the Grizzlies to be, I like Josh Christopher. He's been climbing the boards lately, um, but I, I don't know if he's a guy that they target at 17 or not. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very intriguing draft just for the reasons that you just laid out because I think this could go a lot of different ways. I mean, we've talked about this this MO of this team of kind of trapping these older guys where you talk about Desmond Bain or, or Tillman or even going back to Brandon Clark. They've had a lot of success taking these two, three, four-year guys, guys that have been around that are ready to step in. And, and we've talked about prospects like that, where they talk about a Chris Duarte, uh, a guy that's 24 years old that I'm pretty sold that's going to come in and, and his floor is safe. I think he's at least going to be a contributor at the NBA level. I think it's almost 0% that he comes in and he's just a bust. I mean, he has yeah, some skills yeah. on both ends that you know that are, are going to translate at least a little bit at worst, uh, where they could – we talked about a lot of guys that it wouldn't be the way I'd go, Zaya Williams – has a lot of fans here in Memphis. I'm not a big fan of his, but they could go that way. A guy where you take this huge upside swing thinking that you don't really need a guy to step in now, and you're at a point where you could take a guy like that, stash him down in South Haven, and maybe a couple, two, three years down the line, you have a guy that can come up and really do some things for you. So this is definitely going to be the toughest draft for, for climbing, just like you said. I mean, you don't really have the roster spots. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they don't really need – anything especially when you're talking about players at the level of 17 under you're not looking at uh, uh, guys like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kamika that are going to come in and really crack this rotation bar and something something crazy like when these guys end up being a lot better than they should be but they, but they could be you never know what's going to happen but that's that's the that's what's so intriguing about this draft I mean it could go a lot of different ways they could possibly move up they could could move down um and I was asked about Josh Christopher uh, I was on did a local radio interview today that I do every Thursday, and they asked me about Josh Christopher and my thoughts. I like Josh Christopher a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really do like him, but I think 17, if you're just kind of looking at where where the consensus are, where he's going to go, I don't think you have to take him at 17. If you want Josh Christopher, I think you can find a way to move down, maybe pick up another asset and still get him. Um, that's a lot of connections. Um, his brother uh, played for the Grizzlies once upon a time. Um, he's Supposedly, and this is new information I found out this week, uh, that he's the godson of Grizzlies executive Tayshaun Prince. So that's interesting. So I'm sure if, if he looked good in that workout, they brought him in. I got a feeling that there's going to be some interest there, and he seems to have a relationship with John Moran as well. So there seems yeah. to be some good connections there. So I think they'll probably take a long look at him. Another prospect they brought in that we haven't talked about is the international prospect, who I'm really intrigued by, and we'll probably talk about him on a later episode, Vince Blindberg, 16 170 pounds. I mean, he's he's slight, but he's a guy that if you watch him on film, man, he's intriguing. Um, yeah, but he's not a big man. He he's yeah. a guard. He's a, yeah, he's a guard. You I, know, I think he's a guard, small what, board. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking with a guy um, 
Oh man, I, it, it was over the weekend, and we were discussing him. And I'm like, "You have you seen the fan base and the hate that J, that uh, Jaron Jackson gets for not playing <laughs> in the post? Can yeah. you imagine if they draft us a, a guy that's six ten that plays a guard? Yeah, he's position? pretty much guard. Yeah, he's a guard. You know, and, and that that's his skill set, six ten guard. Like he he is listed as a guard. So you know, like the the smaller frame doesn't really concern me a whole lot for six ten because you're not gonna. You're not expecting this dude to play in the post. At 6'10", you're not expecting him to play in the post. So that that's another name. Um, Rafael um, Barlow that, that we had on from, uh, oh, my goodness, Draft Junkies. He, he was the he, he was the name that uh, Rafael mentioned that was not getting a whole lot of hype, but he knew. Um, so Rafael had met him, and he knew that he had some workouts coming up. He didn't know with who he didn't know all of that information, but he said, I expect you to start hearing his name a little bit more here as the draft gets closer. And, and it certainly has happened. He's worked out with uh, OKC and Memphis. And I think sometime either later this week or next week, he's working out for the Knicks. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest in him and his skill set at his size, you know, a, a guy with guard, Guard abilities with that type yeah, that, of length, that yeah, length, you know, yeah. look what Kevin Durant can do. And I'm not saying that this kid is going to be Kevin Durant, but when you're a seven footer with guard like abilities, man, that there's not many people that are going to be able to contain you. And so that would be a very interesting pick. Uh, again, that you know, that's kind of trade back thing. You know, yeah. is he somebody that shows enough that you're comfortable taking him at 17? And we'll cover him. Probably on the next episode, we'll go since we talked yeah, about sure. him a little bit today. We'll, we'll 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 cover him on the next episode. But you know, is he a guy that you're going to take at 17, or is he a guy you're trying to move back and get like two first round picks? And so you're taking two guys, you know, Josh Christopher and him, or who knows? I, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, a lot of lot of good stuff. As a Grizzly fan, it, it is making me excited because there were already questions going into this draft about what they were going to do. And now the guys that they're working out is just kind of making it even more like it's yeah. bringing up more things. Bringing up I, even I more do, questions. Yeah. I want to touch on one more thing on, on, on Sharp before we, we move on from him. We, we talked about his playmaking. I, I was watching, I was watching film on him before we came on. And one thing that he does, and I, I would say maybe, I don't know. Like I like his passing, obviously, but touch passes, man. For a big guy, I watched him make so many touch passes in the, yeah. in the film that I was watching, and it seems like they were always on point. On the money, yeah. You know, just just right where they need to be, and he just anticipates. He sees the ball coming. The guy, you know, his teammates cutting out of the corner of his eye, and he just boom, just smacks it right over, right where the you know teammate catches it high and finishes it, and so. Lot, lot of a uh, lot of upside for him. Like you say, Tankathon still has him in the first round. I don't know that he is. Uh, he's going to be a first round guy. It's hard to say. But um, let's see. Where did NBA Draft.net? I think he has him kind of buried. Yeah, I don't think I he's think that he far away. But, um, but yeah, it's crazy that you see this type of swing in players. Uh, oh, I just saw him in the, my screen refresh. Yeah, but he definitely, he definitely has. Yeah, he definitely has some skills. Like, like you said, I mean, the passes that he makes find cutters and and when he gets double team in the post pass out of the post or open shooters i mean he 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 has some skills man there's a lot of a lot of upside there and, and like you said i think some of the things that, that he showed in college i think he, he some of the things you see he has the potential to got i think develop into to something different in the league i think he is one of those guys like you you brought up earlier so again in, in the second round i mean i think he would definitely be a guy that that can that has some upside if you take a flyer on him uh but i mean and to go back to him, we were talking about friends Feinberg. To go back to him, I mean, he's not really showing up on any mocks right now. So I don't even know where his range would be. Could he be a second round guy? Is he the guy that you would take in the late second by picking up another late first by picking up another pick? I don't even know what his market is right now. I guess maybe we'll start seeing him showing up now that he's working out more. But he's not even on most mocks right now. So he, he's intriguing though. And and again, we'll probably talk about him on the next episode since we touched on him because I'm. I mean, 6'10", the way that he can kind of handle the basketball and, and bring the ball up the floor um, is really intriguing to me, and I think he's a guy that could develop into something for you long term. 
Yeah. Yep. Uh, I know uh, John Chepkevich, their uh, their new consensus big board just dropped. I've not had a chance to go through it, but I'm wondering if he is not going to be on there somewhere. I really, I think that he will. Um, I think that he has to be. You know, it, when, as these big boards continue to update, when we get closer to the draft here, some of these names that are climbing, JT Thor is another guy that we're going to talk about yeah. here. But, you know, he he was he's been second round, second round, second round, and now there there's talks of, of he has a first round promise. So, you know, you just we, – we, we've said it before, from 15 to probably mid-40s, you can make an argument for a lot of these guys to go anywhere in between there. I don't, so, even, think, I don't even think – I don't even think Tankathon has them, has them going undrafted. Uh, I think uh, think NBA Draft.net does as well. I think NBA Draft.net had him at 65, uh, JT Thor. So, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. It's a wide range. You usually don't see this big of a range. I mean, you look at these different mocks, and there's some guys – that one mock has in the second round, some of them going undrafted. Like with Zhu Zhang, I mean, there were mocks that had him in the first round, uh, and then mm-hmm. some had him in the 50s. So, I mean, it's a it's a lot of these prospects, and we talked about this so much that, I mean, they could go anywhere. It wouldn't Anything after, like, 20 wouldn't really surprise me. I mean, there are a lot of guys that I could see. Like Greg Brown is a guy who, look at Tankathon, had, I think had him in the 20s, and I think some other mock drafts have him at 51, 52. So, I mean, and I think he's a first-round talent, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think – this draft is going to be really fun. I mean, a lot of drafts, you get out of that, the lottery area and you just kind of like, whatever, blah. I think there's going to be teams that find players in the second round. They're going to be really contributors and guys that can step in early uh, and play. You don't always see that out of a lot of second-round picks. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So let me ask you this. Before we move on to the, the next guy that we're covering, let, let's say for this that the Grizzlies do not move from 17 – are you disappointed if they take Josh Christopher at 17? A little bit because, because I mean, I think, and it depends on who's on the board, but I think some of the guys, I, I, I'm pretty positive that, that some of these guys would be on the board. My my top five uh, with Chris Duarte is number one, Trey Murphy the third is number two, and Ayo the Sundu is number three, and Josh Christopher would be number four, followed by Cam Thomas. That's kind of my top five right now. So I, I think for sure – at least two or three of those three guys that I have before him be on the board, if not all three of them. And if they took Josh Christopher over any of those three guys, would be a little bit disappointed. But I, again, I like Josh Christopher as a prospect. I just think he's more of an upside swing than, than those first three guys that I named. And I, I feel like there's a, a, a better chance that those guys pan out than Josh Christopher. But again, I, I like Josh Christopher a lot, and I wouldn't be incredibly upset. I just think that there's probably – a way to pick up more value and move down if that's the direction you want to go. I see what it is now. I know exactly why you don't like Josh Christopher. Why he's not <laughs> at the top of your list, man. He's only six four. Yeah, he's, six he's six not four. six foot six. <laughs> if Josh Christopher was six foot six, he'd be at the top of Isaac's list. Top <laughs> of it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on to the next guy. We're gonna talk about uh, Quentin Grimes, six foot five, wing out of yeah, Houston, man. and Isaac. You know, I like this is one of the guys that I wanted to talk about. But I think Isaac is going to know him quite a bit more than what I do because yeah. he, he's been able to, to watch this dude torch the, the the Tigers. But the big thing for me, my favorite thing about him is his defense. I really think that he's got the ability to be a lockdown defender. Not necessarily his help defense, but his on-ball defense. I think that he is going to be elite at some point in the NBA whenever he gets up there. 1.4 steals a game. He has incredible timing on blocking jump shots. I can't tell you how many, as I'm, I'm watching highlights and, and different film on him, I can't tell you how many jump shots I watched him blocking, and, and it was just 99.9% of it was just just his timing. He can rebound well for a wing. He averaged um, 5.7. Yeah, yeah. yeah, almost almost six points six a game. A game. Well, 1.6 offensive rebounds a game as a guard, man. That That is just crazy to me. And on top of those things, the, the defense is big for me, but he's shooting 40% from three on eight attempts. And I don't think that that's false. You know, sometimes you can get a, like a guy that blows up, he shoots 40%, but he's a 78 per, or 79% free throw shooter. So I think the stroke is there. There are a lot of things for me. I don't even know where he's going on the, the big boards. I've not, I've not even looked. Yeah, he's he's mostly they have him mostly going late second, which 
kind of kind of surprises me uh, with him because to me, like you said, I've seen a lot of Quentin Grimes, too much Quentin Grimes. I mean, he's been a thorn in the side of the group of the Tigers for a couple years, but I mean, I think you like you got to like the size. I mean, NBA size for a wing six five two ten six eight wingspan uh, measured at the, at the combine. I mean, eighteen points. You said six rebounds, two assists. Uh, 1.1 steal, 40% from three on 8.3 attempts per game, 100 of 248. So, man, he's he gets them up. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think there's some games against the Tigers where he put up 12, 12 to 14 threes. I mean, he lets it fly. It's something that he does. 78% for the free throw line. Uh, started his career at Kansas uh, before transferring to Houston and played his final two years there. But, uh, man, he's really strong, can really handle the basketball, man. Great, great crossover. Uh, but I kind of say he's a bulldog. I mean, relentless, always, always moving forward. I mean, when you you guard him, man, you he's gonna make you work because he's always, always pushing forward, man. Can get to the basket. Uh, one thing that I really like about him, he gets to the, in the paint and penetrates. He can also pass it. Uh, when 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 he when he gets double teamed, he can pass it out of out of double teams. That's something that I really like. But the strip, like I said, can get to the basket. Uh, I mean, he he did struggle at times defensively, but I think, like you said, I think you look at that wingspan at six eight. Uh, I think sometimes I think he didn't always put in records with effort yeah. on defense, but mm-hmm. I think he has the ability to be really good. I mean, the length is there, and, and the I think the if if he matches his intensity on offense, the defense. I think, man, talent wise, I mean, you, you look at him. I mean, he could be a lottery pick. I, I think that's kind of what stops him from being there because I think sometimes on the, on the defensive end, he just doesn't put in effort. But I mean, he has an all around all-around game if he puts it together, that effort on defense. I mean, I, li- I like him a lot. And, again, NBA size, just a lot of things that he can do. Uh, you, you look at his, his shot. I mean, he can get really get his – I mean, the one thing about his shot, he, it does take him a while to get it off. He doesn't have the yeah. quickest release, but he has that skill of, of the step-back jump shot. I mean, he has that uh, – the, the drawing fouls on the threes that we see a lot of guards do in the NBA. He has mm-hmm. all that stuff down. I mean, he really really can, do, can get that step-back jump shot off anytime – he wants to. So um, I like him a lot as a prospect. And again, I've seen probably too much of him because he's torched the Tigers over the last couple of years and he, he's really been a problem for them. And and again, he's a guy that I'm kind of surprised that is projected late as he is. And I think it's just kind of some of his lapses on defense that that you see at times. But other than that, man, I think he's a really good prospect. It kind of surprised me, especially when you look at the numbers, a guard that size that can shoot the basketball the way he does. Again, 40, 40.3% from three, eight attempts a game. 100 of 248 overall. I mean, 248 is a lot of, lot of threes uh, in, in a college basketball season. So I like him a lot, man. And, and it kind of surprised me if he's sitting there at 51, which most mocks think he will be, I would have no problem at all if the Grizzlies took a shot. Yeah, man, it de- definitely. There's, you know, there's holes in his game. I, I, you know, he can handle the ball pretty well. I, he struggles going left. Not not really good going yeah. left when you and he gets tunnel vision sometimes. That happens with a guy that can score the way that he does. His mid range game is abysmal. He basically does yeah. not have it's the three pointers and go to the basket. Yeah, yeah that's about that's it. it. It's like and, and I have no problems with the guy attacking a rim, but there it seems like that that it's either three or I'm going to the rim with it. And if he developed that mid range game, man, it would open up so much more. I, he is not a guy that I would consider is a three-level scoring threat because that mid-range is just so terrible right now, and that's well, I, maybe so terrible is a, is a bad phrase for it. It's not. It's not good, and and that would be probably the biggest hole in his game. I think he was. Um, I, I found the stat, and I thought I wrote it down in here. I I did not put it in there, but it was some. It was in the twenty percent, like somewhere between twenty and twenty-five percent on mid-range jumpers and floaters. Yeah, when I think about it, I'm trying to think back and trying to remember him. I don't even know if I've ever seen him take a mid-range jump shot. That's how how much that he – it's basically shoot a three and going to the basket. That's that's just something that he doesn't doesn't do. But I think with with his shooting ability, there's no reason why he can't be a a good mid-range shooter. So I think that's something – there has to be some upside there because, I mean, he's too good of a shooter. If you can knock down threes, I mean, Mm -hmm. and and, and shoot a pretty good clip from the free throw line, you can knock down – mid-range shots. I just think that's just kind of something that he he ignored in his game, but I definitely think that's something that he can improve upon once he gets in the NBA. Yeah, yep. Completely agree with you. So moving on, who, who you got next, man? Yeah, my next guy is uh, Matthew Hurt, 6'9", 232-pound, uh, sophomore power forward out of Duke, 21 years old. 
uh, was an elite high school prospect out of John Marshall High School in Rochester, Minnesota. Man, I saw a lot of him with my work with rivals. I mean, he was once a, a target of the top target of the University of Memphis. Uh, one thing that that stands really stands out for me is his, his improvement uh, from his freshman to sophomore seasons, almost doubling his numbers pretty much across the board. If you look, averaged 9.7 points per game as a freshman and 18.3 as a sophomore. Uh, obviously, the first thing that stands out for him is the three-point shooting ability at 6'9", 6'10". Uh, shot 44% on 5.3 attempts per game, 56 of 126 overall. So pretty high volume there, a really quick release. Uh, doesn't take a lot of room to get it off. I mean, he can get these leading wild shots off and, and knock them down. That's something that if you watch him at Duke, you see he's uh, moves well without the basketball, uh, can score in a variety of ways. Doesn't have a, doesn't have a lot of muscle, uh, but he's crafty and, and uses his footwork and knows how to use his body to kind of, overcome some of that good playbreaker uh for a guy six nine a guy that can can really pass uh find teammates five cutters uh so i mean that's a uh, i think an underrated part of his game kind of the cons with him are of course the lack of, of muscle especially stepping up to the nba level uh doesn't move particularly well laterally uh which will cause him problems guarding quicker athletic wings which brings you to the question of is he a three is he a four uh he's a bit of a tweener uh kind of in the sense that his offensive skills would say he's more of a small forward, but defensively, due to his lack of athleticism and, and lateral quickness, he'll likely struggle to guard most true wings. And so you can kind of – it would be kind of hard to, to have him guarding threes because I don't think he can really keep up. But then his defensive skills should say he should probably be guarding four. So I think that's kind of one of the things that holds him down. But at 51, he's certainly on my radar uh, as someone that I look at. And, and I think Zach Kleiman, I'm sure he's on his radar as well, being a Duke guy. Uh, I'm sure he's – he's on point with, with Matthew Hurd and watching him. So if he's on on a board at 51, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't surprise me if the Grizzlies take a flyer on him. But again, man, I'm a sucker for any guy six, eight above that can, can shoot the basketball. He can really do that high, high basketball IQ. You know, he's been coached well, coached under coach K. Um, and again, elite pedigree coming out of high school, elite, elite prospect. It was one of the top five players in the country uh, the, the year that he came out. And I mean, there's a lot of things to like there, but uh, again, man, I think defensively is what's, going to be the question mark yeah. with him. Will will he be able to guard small forwards? And I think that's kind of where he struggled and, and when you play him at the three or four, I think those are kind of kind of the questions with him. But he definitely definitely has some skills offensively. He, I would say positionless in the bad sense, honestly. Yeah, that's, I like, agree with he, that. With, with, with his size and length, four, you know, he's listed as a four. But yeah. he doesn't have the strength to like he's not going to guard NBA caliber fours. They're going to muscle him around and dominate him. He's not strong enough in the post. He's not laterally quick enough to guard threes guard out on the wing. Yeah, and so that that is going to be that that's going to be the hole in his game because he can he can shoot he can shoot the freaking lights out. Great three point shooter. Probably I think his strongest the like. The, the thing that jumped out to me for him was his post scoring at six. Nine, yeah. He can't score the ball. Yeah. Check this so out. He's I, found, I found this. He, he was 71% from the field when he posted up 71% post scoring, man, his turnaround. He, he's got a baseline fadeaway that is nearly flawless because his release is so high when he's fading away, it makes it almost impossible to guard. So there's some offensive stuff there that make him very intriguing. But that the tweener thing that you talked yeah, about is really going to be, are you going to be able to work on your footwork enough to, to guard a three or are you going to beef up and be able to guard the fours? Because you you can't stay in this area that you're in because you're just going to get exposed in the in the league, and that's um. I, I really, I I don't know where he fits, and, and right now I I don't think it's anywhere because you just you don't have, you have the height to guard a four, but you don't have the strength to guard the four. You, you got don't the have quickness to guard a yeah. three, but you don't have the quickness. So it, it's really. That that that's what's scary with him, man. If you again, we're looking late second round pick. If this is a guy that you're looking at, do you feel like these are things that you can coach? Can you work with him? Can you know? Can you work with you know strength and conditioning coaches and get that lateral quickness better, or get in the weight room and put on some muscle and hold your own in the post against these guys? He's he's not a shot blocker. 
Um, you know, th- there's just defense is not in his vocabulary. Honestly, like when, when you go and you you watch film on him, you read about him. That that is definitely the the biggest hole because if he was even a serviceable defender. I think that he he's he's way up he's, the board. Yeah, he late third round he can, that first round pick probably. Yeah, you know, like the way he can shoot the ball and his release is high, man. A high release is always tougher to guard. Like you say, he can he can get it off from anywhere. Then you know he, people are contesting him in front. Doesn't matter. It doesn't deter. It doesn't change anything. He can still knock it down. And the the post scoring is incredible. I think that's something that is going to translate very easily on the next level. If you've got a good turnaround fadeaway, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant done a pretty good job of making a living. With, you know, with those. Not that that was the only thing they had in their they had in their bag, but uh, Dirk is another guy that was you know that that turnaround fadeaway that just. And I was gonna Couldn't say that, yeah, very Dirk esque with that. I'm not gonna say any, of course, not saying he's gonna be an all time player like Dirk, but oh, that, yeah. that fadeaway, it, it's similar to me because he that at that size is just hard to to block. It has such a high release on it. But you touched on something. I think if you take a second round flyer on him, I think it's the latter. I think you hope you can get him in the weight room and, and put a little muscle on and just be serviceable against bigs in, in the paint because I think the offensive game definitely translates. So if he could be at the point where you can just have him on the floor and he doesn't kill you, I think he can, he can make his way. And if you're taking a guy at 51, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. It's usually going to be a project. You're usually not going to get – again, we've talked about this a lot where yeah, I always go back to, to Luca Garza where people are like, man, oh, he's not going to he's not gonna fix JB's deficiencies. I'm like, you're not looking to, to fix find your starting center at, at 51. If, if it works out that way, Jokic went late in the, in, in the second round and, and sometimes you get – Miracles like that happen, things like that happen, but that's not the idea that you're going in at 50 that you're going to get somebody to replace your starting center. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's probably going down to South Haven or, where, or whoever takes them, wherever their G League team is, in a couple of years, work down there and see if you can turn them into any, anything. And, and I think Matthew Hurt, again, has some skills on the offensive end. You just got to find a way to, to get him a little bit better on defense. I don't think, and, and I don't think lateral quickness really is something that you can prove. I mean, he's 21 years old. I mean, he's not going to get much better there. So I think putting on weight, getting in the weight room and, and, and working with him that way, I think is the best option. But again, if he's there at 51, I, I would be on board. I have a list of probably about 10 guys that could be there. That, and he's a, one of those guys on that list. Yeah. To me at 51, it's, I won't say that I don't care who they take, but it doesn't really hold that much weight to me because at 51, I don't expect this guy to make the opening day roster for the Grizzlies. No. I fully expect at 51 for them, for whoever they take to be with the hustle this year. And that's fine. You, you because, don't I mean, have to, I was going to say that that could even happen at 17. So, you know, when you're talking yeah, 51, yeah. That, that's the case. Yep, a hundred percent. So we'll we'll move on from uh from Matthew Herta. I was looking at his rebounding. He it was uh six rebounds a game for Duke, and, and so eighteen points a game. There there are a lot of lot of good things that he does, but th- that defense is going to be something that he's definitely going to have to figure out if he's going to make it on the next make it at the next level. Next guy I want to talk about the JT Thor, six foot ten inch guy out of Auburn. Um. And he's a guy that is he he's been climbing up boards as of late. Just crazy freak athlete. I, I don't understand really why he was so far down on the draft boards to begin with, because of the, the combination of length and speed with him. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes long as hell. That's what I have down here. He's <laughs> yeah. seven, six nine, seven three wingspan, measured seven mm-hmm. three uh in the combine. So I mean that's nuts. <laughs> just the defensively, I, he can hold his own one through five. There's going to be some fives that are too strong for him that he can't guard. There's going to be some ones that are faster than him that he can't stay in front of. But it, it's going to be few and far between. He just he excellent footwork. He can make up for mistakes with his length. Um, man, I don't even know. Like it's so crazy the combination of the size and speed, I, it's almost, I'm almost at a loss for words with him. The, his offensive upside, he didn't shoot well from three. He was 29% from three, but he's a 74% free throw shooter. 
So yeah, if, I, yeah, that's above the idea for for three point shooting, definitely. I no doubt in my mind. Yeah, is he a guy that, that you're going to say? Yeah, twenty nine percent is not great, but with a seventy four percent stroke from the free throw line, that shows you that there can be some consistency there. And and I think that his form being inconsistent is the biggest reason why you see that twenty nine percent from three. If you go back and and you watch him take shots, you watch him shooting threes. There's a lot of different looks to his form, so I, I think that's something. Maybe they don't change his form, but they work with him on that form being more consistent. I think that he's worked at the free throw line enough to work that out to where he can get the high percentage at the free throw line. He just has to figure out what he needs to do to get that shot to fall from three. Um, Upside swing out of any of the guys that we've talked about, this would be the the guy I think would have the highest upside. Honestly, like he, he just... Very, very quick for his size, like 6'9", 6'10", 7'3", wingspan. That just screams nightmare on the defensive end. Like He he could just be a huge headache for the other team. And and that's – I would – man, 17 is, I think, early on him. But if they trade back and and they get some combination, like if he is one of the guys that they're targeting and he ends up being a grizzly dude – I would love to see what Taylor Jenkins can do developing this kid. Yeah, man, he's a, he's only 18 years old. That's going to be a, a great segue into our next prospect we're going to talk about because I feel similar about both of these guys. He's gonna, he's only 18 as, as well, the guy we're going to talk about next. But um, he's def, definitely a guy that, that's going to need some development in the G League. I mean, he's he's what I call a Play-Doh prospect. Right, right now he's just kind of a ball of clay, but you can potentially mold that ball of clay into to something great yeah. uh, in, in the future. Man, the shooting upside, I think, Stands out to me. I think, like you said, 74% from the free throw line. I watched him, uh, and, and they played against Memphis. I, I watched him this year, and his stroke is, I think, he, he's going he's gonna to be able to shoot the basketball. I think that 29%, I think they can up that. And for a guy that has this defensive potential, even if he gets that, to only gets up to like 34 35%, it, it can be a guy that can knock down one or two for you a game out of four, so, so to speak. Kind of the same thing we kind of said with Xavier Tillman. If he can be just a threat there i think that's going to be really good for him uh because a lot of guys like that they're just athletic and long and they can't really do anything else i don't think that's going to be the case with him i think he's going to bring some things to the table offensively um athletic enough and and has the foot speed where like you said he'll be able to guard smaller quicker players but has the length to be able to guard bigs as well i think he can guard one two four uh on, on the floor i mean he can really recover uh get out the shooters uh, he needs to buck up, definitely 6'9", 203. But he has a frame where I think he can put some weight on. I think he's a guy that will be able to put on probably 15, 20 pounds with, and, and won't hurt him much. Uh, right now, it's just a lot of dunks and putbacks and transition. Uh, but with the shooting upside, uh, I think – it, I mean, his offensive game is still a work in progress. But defensively, I think you see some things with him that you know that are going to translate. I mean, it's crazy to think about, man. 6'9". Seven three wingspan with his speed, his athleticism above the rim guy. I mean, I like him a lot. And as you said, I think if you talk about the upside swing of guys that are that are going late, him and, and again the next guy that I'm going to talk about, I think are probably the two biggest in the draft. I think both of these guys could end up. You could look back two or three years down the line, and you're like, what were these GMs thinking passing on these guys? These guys should have been top of the first half pick, and they got these guys in the second round. I, I think JT Thor could be that kind of player because he. He just the combination of skills and potential and upside that he has. You just don't see guys that have that many things that you think could end up being great. I mean, usually you see a lot of guys a lot of times they're oh well he's an athlete but doesn't have much offensive upside or he's he's great defensively but you don't the offensive game you don't see much upside there. Yeah, I think and, and with him I think he could be all around. Yeah, yeah he got both, it all both around. sides of the ball. Like yeah. He's already effective on the defensive end. He's, he's 2.2 combined defensive stats. And, and the, the offensive side of it, there's again, there's holes. We're, we're talking about a guy late first round, maybe early second. But there there are very few guys at this size with that type of athleticism. Yeah, I mean, you just, you just don't see that combination. And, again, this was a guy that, wasn't even on most, most mock uh, drafts. I don't even think Tankathon has him on there right now. But I think we're going to see him on there in, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I've heard really good things from him from the combine. And again, that 7'3 
wingspan. I mean, one of the, the, the I think, might be second biggest at the combine. I think Keta uh, had the first at seven four and a half. I think JT Thor might be second with seven seven three, and he's only six nine. Uh, so I mean, that's just crazy length. And again, I watched him uh, play play some games at Auburn. They played against Memphis, um, and I watched a couple other games. Being in the area, watching some SEC basketball. Uh, I, I just, I, I really do think that he has the potential to be a, a really good shooter. And you just don't see guys like that. Usually guys that, that fit his mold just aren't shooters. And uh, mm-hmm. again, I mean, that's something that I just feel like on both ends of the floor, I think he has tremendous potential. And, and the Grizzlies are a team that, especially when you're talking about a, a second round pick, have the time to wait on him. I mean, he'd be a fun prospect to go down and watch with the hustle. I mean, because I mean, the energy is there, the way he recovered. I mean, I saw some plays where he, how quick he could get from the paint out the shooters. I mean, he just, the length, it's just crazy, man. I, I love him. I love him as a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, man. That That's a, uh, I'm, I'm right. What, what are we? We're 21 days. Is it the 20? I think it's the 29th of this month. So like, yeah. Yeah. Tw- 21 days away from it. And it, it is, and, and it is the NBA draft. If you were unaware of what I was referring to there, but I just cannot wait to see how this all pans out for the Grizzlies. There's so much you don't hear a lot from the front office about, you know, all, you know, this is where we're heading. There's a lot of teams that are very kind of closed about what they're, you know, what they're doing. And that's good. You don't want to reveal your hand to your opponent, but it's, it's, it's going to be great either way. Whatever happens, if they make a move, if they, I'm sitting here fully expecting them to make a move. So I'll be a little disappointed if they don't make a move, but I'm also still, if they don't, I'm excited to see who they take at 17. Yeah. I mean, and I, I've been looking at the draft board and, uh, and I've been looking at 23 and 24 sitting there with Houston and salivating, man. I would love to, to be able to somehow get those two picks. If you didn't have to give up too much, because there's so many guys, just so many prospects that I like, man, to be able to get your hands on two of those guys. Uh, especially if, if they're going down to, to South Haven and guys that you, you could develop, man, it'd be really fun because I just think there's a lot of prospects uh, and, and have two bullets in, there, in that range would be great. And even being able to jump into the early second. Uh, we saw him jump into the end of the third with Boston last year and take, take Bain. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there, there's, again, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I like. I mean, you could, from 15 to 40, I probably could name 20 guys that I'd be be happy with. And that's not usually the case uh, with these drafts. I mean, breaking out these prospects, it's really been fun because I mean there are a lot of guys that I didn't weren't really looking at that now I like a lot. Like they run shop was not a guy that I had really done a lot of work on, but now watching him, I mean I think he has a lot of potential for a second round guy. So again, I, mean, I, I fully expect the Grizzlies to be active. Um, and, and you just kind of look at some of the guys that they're working out. Like you said, they they bring in Josh Christopher, uh, Blindberg, uh, the international prospect, and that right there. Looking at those two guys, those are guys that could possibly go in the, in the same range, late first, early second, possibly. So they may be looking to do something. I would be kind of surprised if they didn't climbing as shown a propensity on draft night to, to make some moves and go up and get their guy if they yeah. want him. So I wouldn't expect anything less this time. There's plenty of team. You know, you've got uh, you, you were talking about Houston 23-24. OKC okay, has two right there at the top of the, the top of the second. Yeah, 16 and 18 at OKC. Knicks. And then the, the Knicks is another team. You know, they they got beat by the Hawks in the first round, but what what are they looking to do? You know, you know, history shows that Thibodeau is not a fan of rookies. He just doesn't play. It, he, he had two good rookies this year, and they didn't get a ton of playing time. You really have to earn it with him. So is that something that you could, you know, reach yeah. out to New York and say, is I really going to take two guys there? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I, that's, I've got, uh, I've got 17 here. If you want to move up, we're happy to move back. You know, we'll toss 17 and, you know, uh, Grayson Allen or Kyle Anderson or whatever, you know, whoever you w- plug in, whichever name to kind of clear out some space for the Grizzlies for those two picks. There there are plenty of teams for them to negotiate with. And, and I think that's what, uh, what makes it so exciting. And like, okay, C's got two more picks pretty close together the first first half of the second round. So lots of a lot of talent to be had and a lot of opportunities for the Grizzlies to make moves. So who is this you you uh kind of alluded to him. Who who is your next prospect? 
Yeah, man, definitely, definitely, probably, probably, if not the best name, one of the best names in the draft is Joshua Primo. Uh, love that last name, six five hundred eighty. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you, we just talked about JT Thor, and you're gonna say Primo <laughs> has the best name? Nah, man. Nope, it's Thor. Th- Thor has the best name in the draft. Yeah, Thor, Thor's My pretty God. good, man. I like, I like that Primo <laughs> though, man. Yeah, man, but that, both both great names. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're probably at the top of the list for this draft for sure. But um, 6'5", 189 pounds, six uh, nine wingspan. Uh, we gotta talk about JT Thor and kind of potential there. I kind of put them both in the same category. I mean, it's six five with six nine wingspan, uh, one and done prospect out of Alabama, uh, native of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Only eighteen years old, just like Thor, making him one of the the youngest prospects in this draft. Uh, was originally projected as a late second round pick, but he's Really wild scouts uh, at the draft combine has moved up draft boards in, in box, man. Some people even think he could be a late first-round pick now. The Takeathon actually has the Grizzlies taking him at 51. I would love that. Don't think that's going to happen at this point, but be fantastic if he did, man. He was the youngest player on the Canadian national team at FIBA Under-19 World Cup two years ago at 16 years old. So that was a really, really good experience for him. First thing that stands out to me uh, is the size and length. 6'5", talk about the 6'9", wingspan, it allows position flex, and that's something that I really like. I think you'll be able to flex up and be able to guard threes and be able to competently guard uh, the one is one and, one and two as well. Uh, they were kind of blown away with his play on the ball, and, and that's something that really intrigues me because I think he can really comp- competently play the one. I mean, you call him a, a combo guard, but I, I think he's a guy that could truly play point guard, not just a guy that you can – put on the ball um, and, and he showed that to come by and I think that's kind of why he's he shot up boards a little bit uh, shot 38% from three um, in a very small sample size only 1.3 uh, 1.4 attempts per game but there's certainly not not anything wrong with his shot um, I think at a higher volume I think he'll still be able to, to knock it down he definitely has shooting ability above the rim guy um, despite his wide reframe he's shown the ability to finish through contact uh, defensively his link gives him the ability to really contest shots and to get in the passing lanes. As I said, I think he'll be able to guard the one through three. And what really intrigued me, uh, again, is his prospects on the ball. I think he could be a, a big-time problem on both ends at the one. I mean, I think of a guy that size, 6'5", six, 6'9", six, that length playing the point guard. I mean, he would cause some big-time problems for, for smaller guards. Uh, wasn't a high-usage guy at Bama, so all of this is strictly rooted in potential. But if you're looking for an upside play, uh, just like we said with Thor, especially if he falls into the second round, I think they got to be right up to the top of your list. And you talk about a guy like Zaire Williams at 17, I think Primo and Thor have just as much upside. I think they, I like the prospects of them and some of the things they bring to the table more than I like Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams is projected at 17. So again, I mean, Primo is a, a guy that I really like. If the Grizzlies could find a way to, to find a, to get another pick somewhere in there, Thor and Primo are two guys that would be right at the top of my list if they're going to take an upside swing. And if they take a guy that I think, like, like Duarte or, or a guy like this that I think could step in and play, I would want them to go upside with, with their second-round pick or another pick they can find. And those are two guys, again, that have tremendous upside and have some skills that I think you could look up two or three years down the line. Again, you're looking up, like, why, are these guys, why didn't these guys go higher? And they're super young, both 18 years old, so a lot to work with for both of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he was 44% on cash and shoot. Uh, that That's, again, it, it's low volume. But this is a kid that's 18 years old. He's not going to be an early first-round pick. He's going to be a late first, early second-round pick. So it, just like Isaac said, you're looking at upside. Uh, he's three-level scorer already. He, he can get to the basket and shoot the three fairly well. I expect that even at a higher volume, that's still going to fall. Um, his length, he covers a ton of ground with his Euro step, use those long arms to, you know, kind of ward off defenders finishing at the rim. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of limited though. He, he has problems going to his left and I, I think that he could play above the rim more, man. He, he shoots a lot of like underhanded layups going, you know, get, get yeah, he's, he's super athletic. And I really think that he could finish above the rim more. Which you know the the underhanded layups were effective for him, so that's not that big of a deal. But I, I just I would like to see him finish above the rim a tiny bit more. Um, I, I agree with you on the you know playing him at the one thing. My issue with that is, and again, 
being 18, there's stuff to work out. He had 41 turnovers to 25 assists, and he tends to telegraph his passes. Like he doesn't try to look the defender off before he makes the pass. He'll stare his guy down. You know, it, it, it's just things in a late first, early second round pick that you're going to see. The, and I, I don't think any of these things are not fixable. That everything, any hole that you see in his game is definitely something that you can can coach up and and probably eliminate a lot of the the small stuff out of his game. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And again, he's so young, 18 years old. And again, he, he's a guy that's definitely going to need some grooming down in South Haven. Uh, I mean, you sit him down there, and I think, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I, I think could really develop, and he'd be fun to watch. And uh, again, I mean, this team is in a position to where they have time to wait on a guy because there's not a lot of minutes there anyway. So, I mean, especially if they take multiple guys, I, I think for sure you're going to see him down in, in South Haven. But there, there's definitely some things to work on. Anytime you're 18 years old, there are going to be some some holes in your game. Um, and I, I agree with you. There are times that he does telegraph his passes, but the, the scouts have been, like I said, wow. He played, I think, down in the combine games. He played a lot on the basketball, and, and a lot of scouts said that they didn't know how well he could do that. And, and, and what, what he showed, that's what really has him shooting up boards. Um, because I, I think potentially he could he could play there. I, I think especially once he develops and get gets older uh, and you keep working on those skills down in, in, in South Haven if the Grizzlies did take him, I, I think that's something that he could develop. But that length at 6'5", there's something that you just can't teach. Like you said, it covers a ton of ground uh, when, when, when he makes his moves just because of how long he is. I think he, he'll be switchable on defense. I think you could guard the one, two, three, maybe even some four in super small lineups. Uh, he did measure a little bit smaller. Uh, they had him listed at 6'6", uh, at Alabama, he measured 6'5 at the combine, like 6'4 and a half without you. So was was a little bit smaller. Uh, that That's kind of that, that range right there, 6'5. And you look up 6'6, six, six, that's kind of the line where it changes, but did measure measure at 6'5. But I think the length kind of kind of makes up for that. But again, man, if you're looking at the upside swing, I just look at the guys that, that are going to be in the second round. And he's right at the top of the list of a, of a, of a guy that could, could really, really pay off down the line and be a guy that you look up and, and say, this guy could have been a lottery pick, and why was he in the second round? There's not a lot of guys like that. There are guys in the second round where I think can play for you and be good, but JT Thor and, and Primo are two guys that I think could really, really surpass where they were drafted at and, and come back and look like top half of the first-round picks three or four years down the line. Yeah, you know, I, I think either one of these guys, if they had decided to go back to school – uh, and, and played another year in college and came back that they, they would have been, you know, we, we would have been talking about these guys in the lottery next year. You know, they would have been no, no doubt first rounders. So huge upside from either one of those fellas. The last guy that we're going to cover, Rocco, and I apologize about the name. I tried to found an uh, enunciation and there were about seven different ways. Perkinson is how I always thought it was pronounced. I could be wrong, but that's kind of how I, what I thought it was. Yeah, and that that's kind of you know, I heard it like that, and then like Percassin, there there was one guy that was saying it like that, but I I don't, I apologize. I hate to butcher names. I want to get them right. Um, I will get this down if he is drafted by the Grizzlies. I will learn it. I promise. Uh, six nine forward, um, another young guy, super athletic. Um, he crazy explosive. If he's around the basket. He's dunking the ball like that. That's just what he does. He he is a guy that I I think that a lot of times European prospects come over and athleticism is a question mark, right? You know, we we look back at guys uh, Luca and Jokic and 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 different guys that come over, and, and not that Jokic has developed into some super athletic player or whatever. But, you know, European guys, the athleticism tends to always be a question, and I don't think that's the case with him. I, You know, he he is definitely an above-the-rim guy. He can handle the ball very well for his size. He's more than capable of taking his man off the dribble. You know, a guy at 6'9", playing the four, that can handle the ball the way, the way that he does, it can be very dangerous. Uh, great vision. He's always got his head up. He's, he's making – very, very sharp passes. I think that he's got great playmaking ability. Um, could be um, a secondary guy, you know, like Kyle Anderson-esque, you know, as a secondary playmaker. 
Um, the thing exactly that what scares, I got written down here. <laughs> yeah, the, the the thing that scares me about him is his free throw shooting, man. Six sixty five percent. Yeah. And that is, that's always scary. And it's not a, a given that just because a guy is, is a bad free throw shooter, that he's not going to be effective in the NBA. But you look at what happened to the Sixers in the playoffs. And that just shows you, I, I've preached on this show ever since I was young, I had coaches that drilled free throws in my head like that. You, you were going to make free throws. That's when the game is on the line, that's the shot you're going to have to be able to make. Those are the shots that may, that that win games. And so when I see a guy that, that's only shooting, you know, high fifties, low sixties at the free throw line, it scares the crap out of me because I'm like, how did you get to that level of basketball? And you're not shooting seventy plus percent from the free throw line. So yeah. you know. The, Go, go ahead, man. I, I ain't trying I, to talk I, about you. I, 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 I was going to say, it, it's weird because I, I've i noticed that with a lot of these international prospects, usually their free throw numbers aren't great. Even the ones that are really good three-point shooters, you look at their free throw shooting, they're usually in the 60, 69, mm-hmm. 65%, and that's kind of strange. I don't know if that's something that they don't really work on in Europe, and you would think it would be because usually they're real, very skill-oriented, so you would think that would be something that European prospects would – really work on, but I've noticed that that's something that, cause I think, uh, Blindberg even think his is in the 64 in the sixties range as well. Um, and you thinking he's a better, a little bit better, better shooter than that. I don't, I don't understand that, but it is something that you kind of see. And I've even talked about Luca, Luca's three point numbers weren't even good. I think he was like 29, 30% uh, from three in Europe and you know, the way he can shoot the basketball. So hopefully that's something that we kind of see. We've seen it before that see with these prospects. Uh, but, I, I like Roku a lot. A lot of things that you said. He's 6'9", 225, 6'11", wingspan. Uh, so he has some some length. Uh, very skilled uh, with the basketball. Uh, kind of in that point forward mode. Um, I think he's, like you said, kind of in that Kyle Anson mode. But I think he's a little bit more athletic than Kyle. Uh, mm-hmm. High IQ. Uh, seems to have really, really good court vision uh, for a forward. Uh, like you said, can really pass the basketball. Uh, just seems to, to make the right play. He has good handles. Uh, can get in the lane, finish a variety of ways, like you said, can finish above the rim. Um, let me see what else did I have down on him. Um, another thing that I, I really like, and I'll talk about this on the last episode, one of my favorite things is, and in, in attributes about a player, is off-ball movement. Does a really, really good job of moving without the basketball. I had that written down here. Uh, question mark with him, I think, and and you kind of talked about the athleticism-wise, I think he's fine, but I think kind of in that vein of, that you always have a question with international prospects. I don't know if he has the the requisite lateral quickness, foot speed to 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 keep up with with smaller players, smaller, more athletic players. I think that's kind of the question with him. It's not as bad as it is with a lot of international prospects. I think he's more going to be more capable of doing it then. But I think if there's a question mark about him, I think that would still kind of be it. But athleticism wise, if you just thought about being straight up athletic and maybe finish above the rim, he's definitely for, yeah. surpasses most. European prospects in, in that aspect, but I think that's kind of kind of the negative with him. And you talk about the free throw shooting, you definitely want to see that number higher than that. I mean, you want a guy to be in the 70, 65 percent for a guy that a wing or a guard that's not going to cut it. Uh, but you look at the the three point percentage, thirty nine point four percent on three attempts a game, so not really high volume. Uh, but I think he's a guy that will be a capable three point shooter. And I mean, again, a lot a lot to like for uh, for him. And again, if he's in the second round, I mean, he yeah, if you told me to put a list of 10 to 12 guys in the second round, he would probably be on that list. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of Oklahoma City fans that like the – they really would like to see him and Poku. Poku, yeah. On the court just because of their playmaking ability yeah. as bigs, man. It would be – you'd be out there playing with basically five guys that have guard skills. On, I like Poku, man. He gets, a, yeah. he gets a lot of hate, man, but I, I like Poku. Yeah, yeah. So Small put frame, lit, but... lit, lit the Grizzlies up uh, in, in one game, man. It didn't say that coming, but yeah, it went nuts against the Grizzlies one of those games up in OKC. But yeah, I like him. He gets like he gets a lot of hate on on Twitter and social media, but uh, I think he's a good player. Yeah, I mean that would be be something to watch, man. You got five guys on the floor basically with with guard skills and, and guys that can do different things for you. So uh, that that would be kind of something something fun to watch. But again, man, I like him as a prospect. 
Yep. So that's it. That's uh, six prospects. We brought six of them to you today. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, like game two, Phoenix, Milwaukee tonight. Phoenix leads the series one nothing. What do you think, Isaac? Milwaukee winning game two. Man, I, I want to say I want to say that they have a chance, but man, I I just think Phoenix is by far the better team. I mean, I think they really have problems with DeAndre Aiden. Uh, Brook Lopez just doesn't. They don't have an answer uh, for Aiden on the inside, and it's kind of the same thing with Chris Paul. I mean, he's just on a different level right now. They just don't really have an answer for those two guys. And I think one scary thing for Milwaukee is they outshot Phoenix from the three-point line pretty significantly in that first game and still lost. And Devin Booker kind of had an off night shooting the basketball. What's going to happen when he does what he normally does? How are you going to beat him at that point? I I don't know, man. I, I, I said uh, Phoenix in five and, or before the series, and that was kind of when I thought Giannis wasn't going to be able to play and he's going to be out for a couple games. But, I mean, he came back and he looked 100%. I mean, you saw that chase down block that he had. Uh, it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with the knee to me. So he looks to be 100%, and they still weren't able to win game one. Now, we've seen swings with teams that come back and look like a completely different team in, 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 from game to game. But I, I think Phoenix, I, I think Milwaukee is going to go back home facing a 2-0 deficit. I think Phoenix finds a way to win tonight. I think it's going to be a close game. But I think Phoenix wins it, and I think Milwaukee's up in trouble. I just, I'm not a big fan of Bootenholzer and his coaching ability. Now, I do give him credit. We talked about him not making adjustments, and, and we saw him make adjustments in, in, in the last series. Uh, so, so, I mean, I do give him credit there. But overall, I just don't think he's a great coach. And I just think Phoenix is, I've called him the team of destiny. It just feels like it's their year. And, again, I just don't know if they have an answer for Paul and Aiton and that Booker goes off in three the way that he's capable of and usually does. I think that just bodes big problems for Milwaukee, and I don't know if they have an answer to defensively. Yeah, I was I was completely surprised at how good Giannis looked in game one. Man, because I thought he – man, I couldn't believe it. I, man, I thought yeah, – when I you saw that injury, I mean, I thought – I was like, he's done. That's it. We'll see him next year. And he looked like he was 100%. He didn't look like 70%, 80%. He looked 100% in that game, and that – Really shocked me if you saw when that injury happened. Yeah, yep, for sure. So we'll get out of here, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. You can get me on Twitter at DWill2111. The show is at HootballGrizz. Isaac, where can they find you and get us out of here, man? Yeah, man, we got plenty of content coming for you into to next week, man. We got some special guests. My guy Chip Williams from NBA Draft Blog is going to join us on Monday. On Wednesday, uh, we got the guy at Mavs Draft. You can find him on Twitter. He's the host of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast as well as the Mavs Draft Podcast. He's going to join us. So, man, hashtag all draft all the time. Here with Hoopball Grizz. Go over to at Hoopball Grizz. Give us a follow. We love that. And we appreciate you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rival. I-S-A-A-C underscore rival. Uh, but until next time, we're gone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.